Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. Morning. Thank you, Tyler. Does anybody else here beside me love a beautiful, well-decorated Christmas tree? Yes? Okay, we're all on the same page. Good. So I, I love me a, a very good Christmas tree, beautifully decorated. One of the problems that I have with that, though, is that maybe, maybe you've experienced this. One of the hard parts about having an awesome-looking tree is the fact that you really can't take a picture of it. I don't know if you've tried this before, but if you, but if you want to capture this beautiful image of this picture, like of this tree, and take a snapshot, it doesn't work. Right? And, and so there's many reasons for that. ISO, shutter speeds, um, you name it. And you can technically, if some of you have some skill, no doubt, you can make adjustments to try to capture the beauty of that tree. But even then, you will never get the shimmer, the iridescence, the warmth, like the glitter of it, the, the flashing lights. I mean, they all flash at different times. And so a picture is never going to do a Christmas tree justice, not like that image you have in front of you. Part of the problem as well is, well, a Christmas tree is one. <laughs> and so if you take a picture of it, you only have one side, right, of a circle. And so you really can't appreciate how beautiful it is. To experience a Christmas tree, you have to walk around it, right? You got to see the whole story it tells, those awkward, weird-looking ornaments our kids made, which are awesome, kids. Continue to make those, but, but you, you need to get around it to see the full story of its beauty. I find that Christmas sermons can have this same problem, as a matter of fact, only looking at one aspect of the incarnation of Jesus. And by incarnation, I mean Jesus coming from heaven as God, taking on the flesh. The greatest gift humanity will ever know, and by which we know God himself. How do we fit the incarnation of the infinite God into human flesh, and then into one sermon, and all that entails? All that takes place in the Incarnation. How do we do that in one Christmas sermon? We don't. We don't. And so if that was your expectation, I'm sorry. But, but quite frankly, because of that, we, we show up next Sunday. Right? And we show up the Sunday after that, all year long, year after year. And we never exhaust that multifaceted beauty of Christ. It will overwhelm us forever. There isn't a single sermon preached today that's going to give justice to the fact that all the hope, peace, <laughs> joy, salvation, kingship that takes place in the incarnation of Christ is so beautiful. He is so necessary. And so this morning as we look at God's great gift to humanity, baby Jesus, I want to look at it from different angles. I want to look at it like that Christmas tree and not just take one shot, but actually 
walk around and really look at this gift and what is happening there. Our sermon today is called The Economic Gift of Christ. The Economic Gift of Christ. Let me pray for us before we begin. <coughs> Heavenly Father, you are amazing. You are wonderful. We thank you that we get to celebrate this day, Lord. Uh, Christmas on Sunday, it's amazing. It's wonderful. We want to have that joy and celebrate with so many others, Lord. I, I can't imagine why anybody would not want to worship Christ on Christmas. We thank you, Lord, for sending your Son. It is the most incredible true story ever. We thank you that we get to celebrate Christ this morning. And for those of us who don't know Jesus this morning, Lord, I ask that you would um, ignite that fire, that passion, the ability to see how beautiful and necessary Christ is, Lord. And we do this all to the glory, especially on Christmas, Lord, of Jesus. Amen. All right. So when I talk about the economic gift of Christ, I am not talking about finances. Anything financial. Right? If I was going to give financial advice about Christmas, this would be the worst day to do it, right? You needed this sermon a month ago. And so what I'm talking about today, when I mention economy, is that I'm talking about the economy of the Trinity. Right? The economic Trinity. We're going to, we're going to start pretty deep right here. When we study the Trinity, we study the Trinity in two different ways. Ontological and economic. The ontological trinity is the study of who the trinity is. Father, God, you know, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How they are one. How they are all equally God. Let me adjust here. Testing, testing. Okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to move. So. The ontological trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All equally God. But when we talk about the economy of the Trinity, we are talking about the fact that in the Trinity, as it relates to our salvation and creation, we, we are talking about the works of the Trinity. So ontological, who, who the Trinity is, economic, what the Trinity does to save us. This gift of Jesus Christ is an incredible work. It is a glorious work. It is an economic work of the Trinity on behalf of us to save us. And quite frankly, I realized, church, as I was writing this this week, that this is, this is probably deeper than you would expect to go on a Christmas sermon. And yet this morning, I hope you agree with me that if we have the choice between examining the depths and going deep into the revelation of God through the incarnation of Christ, as opposed to not having church on Sunday, or on Christmas, no less, I hope you would agree that it is not only reasonable to celebrate Christ on Christmas, but it is an unquestionable privilege and I am so glad that all of you are here this morning. Should I switch mics? That sound right? Okay. What's that? Keep going? Okay. Perfect. 
So as we consider this economic gift of Christ, what better place to start than the gift himself, Jesus Christ? We have the gift of Jesus Christ. And the first thing we must understand this morning is that Jesus is a gift. I know that sounds silly, right, that, that we need to understand that. But we need to. I mean, Christmas morning, we know that receiving something as a gift isn't something that you work for, right? A gift is a gift is a gift. And so we find in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and we'll come back here a couple of times this morning, the Apostle Paul declares, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. What does that mean? It means that no one can ever boast that they found Jesus. Think about that. That's what it says. No one can boast, I found Jesus. What you found was grace. What you found was the grace of God that then allows you to see Jesus. The grace of God is a gift he gave you. We're going to see that all this morning. Jesus is a gift. But what kind of gift is Jesus? I mean, we've all seen all these cards. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the true gift. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean when we say it? I mean, let's, let's get serious. It's an estimated 117 billion babies have been born throughout human history. Why do we believe this baby is a gift of God? Why do we believe that? And what do we believe about this baby, this one out of 117 billion? What is the gift? Well, the gift is eternal life. The gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we can see that in the most famous of verses, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave a gift, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We see it again. The gift of Jesus, eternal life. In Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. But what does that have to do with the baby being born? Right? Do you think about that? Well, how do those two things correlate? This baby was born and everybody gets eternal life? What's going on here? The gift of eternal life is found in the life of Jesus. That's why he had to be born. It is the life of Jesus in which we then have eternal life. He had to be born into enemy territory, no less. Live a perfect, righteous life. Why? So he could ransom us. So he can offer his life to God in exchange for our futile, sinful lives. He had to live a life that he could ransom us with. God, look at this perfect life I lived. Let me give it to you. Give me their futile, sinful life. And so the gift of eternal life is the benefit of the gift of the life of Jesus. The gift of the life of Jesus. And the Apostle Peter highlights this in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, 
not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And so he had to be born to live a perfect life, to be that lamb without spot or blemish. He had to do this before God. Just as we this morning stand before God, and consequently, we have this impending, right, destruction. We have this impending eternal destruction. But it's not because God hates us. Right? God, our standing before God isn't God hates us. When we stand before Almighty God, when he looks at us, what he's really looking at is people who hate him. Right? He's looking at our lives. Our lives say we hate God. That's just, that's just the reality. The stats of our lives, church, every, our, our entire lives, everything we've said or done, and I know there's wonderful people in this room, your lives do not make a compelling case for entrance into heaven. And I say that because I love you and not to make you feel bad, but your lives, my life, my life is not a compelling case into entrance, into, into heaven. Let me put it this way. Are there any sports fans here? Yes? Okay. Perfect. So we've probably argued online. <clears throat> if you're a sports fan like me, uh, whatever sports you follow, there's a moment every year where, where your respective sports uh, gives a list of eligible players for the Hall of Fame, right? Once a year, these are who are eligible for induction into the Hall of Fame. And guys like me love to just go online and look at all the stats and compare them. Who, who, who's a first year, 10 year, what, are, what does their career look like? I love doing that. I, I love going online and arguing with people about it. It's just, that's the fun part. I mean, that's the fun part, just throwing out stats. But part of the argument is, is this person worthy to get into the immortal Hall of Fame for said sport? Now the gift of the perfect life of Jesus is basically accomplishing that for us. Again, why, why is Jesus being born a gift? Well, Jesus is being born because he's, just a, he's about to max out the stats. There's not going to be possible better life stats in the holy life obedient life of Jesus. So when we stand before God, and God is reviewing our stats, every one of us, we're going to come to that day, let's look at their life, let's look at everything they've said, what we thought, God help us, right? We're all going to be there. But this gift of Jesus is that when we stand before God the Father, and he looks at our life, and, and we know what's back there, and it's not good, right? It's going to be embarrassing. But he sees the life of Jesus. The gift of Jesus is that when we stand before God, we get his stats. We get his cred, right? And some of us might have street cred. You know, we don't have, like, golden street cred, right? We're not going to just get our way into heaven. But with Jesus' stats, with his life that he's gifted to us, that that's how we obtain eternal life through Jesus. We needed him to be born. 
We needed him to be a perfect baby, right? A toddler. Can you imagine that? A perfect toddler? It happened, right? Somehow, Jesus was the perfect toddler and teenager and young adult and lived this perfect life that he then gives to us. The gift of Jesus Christ is eternal life through receiving his life, his perfect life. And the key word here is receiving. Right? You have to receive this gift. The coming of Jesus wasn't a get-out-of-jail-free card for every person ever born. It's a gift, but you can reject a gift. And many reject it more than receive it. Now, maybe some of you have had, maybe, maybe, I hope it was this morning, opened a amazing, totally great, wicked, cool gift this morning, or last night. How do you respond when you open up a great gift? Well, I know how, like nowadays, when you say, OMG, I can't believe this. I can't believe I got this gift. But when it comes to the gift of Jesus, you must believe it. Right? You must believe it. And more than just believe it, you must profess it. I don't know about you, but if you're opening uh, gifts in, in a large room with family, what do you normally ask? Well, you know, who gave that to you? But don't you also ask, what is it? What are you saying along G about? What are you looking at? Nobody can see it. Because you're just, you know, you're hoarding it. We need pictures. You gotta, you gotta let everybody know. Hold it up. Right? Hold it up so everybody sees what this gift is. And that's what's required of the gift of Jesus. Right? That we receive it by believing it and, and saying, yes, this is a gift. Look what I've got. Romans 10.10 10 says this. In Romans 10.10, 10, Paul highlights this, this transaction of salvation. Where Paul writes, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and, one, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Paul is talking about Jesus. He's talking about the gift of the faith. And he's just saying, yeah, receive it and say, yeah, I received this gift. It is that simple. If you don't know Christ this morning, you think it's difficult. It is a difficult life, but it is not difficult to receive that gift. And so every year we celebrate the greatest gift ever given, Jesus Christ. But rarely have I ever heard a mention of the gift giver. In a Christmas sermon? This is unusual to me. Normally when we receive a gift, we qualify it by saying who it's from. Right? When, you, when, you, when you're sharing a gift, what do you say? Look what so-and-so got me. Right? You're bragging about the gift and, and, and the giver. Right? That's part of why we want to give the best gifts. I want to meet James, the guy who gives the best gifts. Right? Shouldn't the greatest gift also, ever, the greatest gift ever, shouldn't that provoke in, a, provoke in us worship and thankfulness towards the one who gave us the gift? After all, the gift of Christ is an economic gift. When we started in the book of James a few months ago, you may remember James 1.17, where 
where James says, every good gift and every perfect gift, that would be Jesus, is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. And James is talking about his brother, Jesus. And talking, James is talking about how incredible it is that God saves us through the coming of Jesus. And what does James call it? A gift, and he qualifies it, from the Father. Right? Jesus didn't just materialize out of nowhere. Like this whole thing was an economic plan from the beginning. And so the Father of Lights, probably my favorite title of God the Father, that's got to be it, Father of Lights. But the gift giver is the Father. The gift giver is the Father. A great gift giver, as a matter of fact. And in um, one of my favorite passages, I know I sent you in as well, Jesus brags that the Father is the best gift giver. You guys ever read that? In Luke uh, 11, 13, Jesus talking. Love this. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Economic bragging. God is a gift giver. And we don't think about that. As we study the glorious attributes of God, rarely do I hear anybody talk about God as gift giver. But we know God's a, a great gift giver because in the last couple seconds, all of us take a breath, right? God is a great gift giver. With that in mind, I want us to look at two ways that the Father is a gift giver this morning. The first is that the Father gave us the gift of Jesus, as we were talking about. Uh, consider again John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we see all three components there. God, the Father, gave Jesus the gift with what benefit? Eternal life. Awesome. A couple of chapters later, you may remember from our study in James, John chapter 6. Oh man, I think in the Bible, like my favorite three chapters, Isaiah 6, Romans 6, and John 6. Amazing. And Jesus says this multiple times in this in, in chapter 6, I think it was 11 times, where he basically repeats this. John 6, 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise them on the last day. The driving force of the mission of Jesus to save us was the will of the Father. Like Jesus is talking about salvation. What does Jesus say? I'm awesome? No, he could have. I mean, it, everything about him said he was awesome, but he's like, no, this is the will of the Father. Everything that you are just blown away with from right now is because this is what the Father told me to do. If you guys like what I'm doing, if you believe what I'm saying, the Father. Come to the Father. And Jesus says he will raise those who believe in him on the last day. For what? To enter eternal life. Right? Where days are no longer a measurement of time. Jesus says, I'm going to raise you on the last day. And oh yeah, that's the last day. And there's no more days. Eternal life, guys. What a gift. 
And this same verse, John 6.39, also emphasizes the second fact I want us to look at this morning about the Father as a gift giver. And I, I bet you a lot of us have never thought about this, but it is true, and it should change the way that we live our life and make decisions and the very things we think about and say. Those who have received the gift of the Father in Jesus Christ are also a gift to Jesus from the Father. I mean, that's what it says. That's what all the book of John says as well. If you are a Christian, you are a gift to Christ. You are a gift. You are given to Jesus. Right, that's what Jesus says. Like, yeah, he's bringing us this gift, but you are a gift. You are a gift so precious that Jesus gave up his life for you. Right? So that you could not be taken away, which is exactly what he says. And, and have assurance, Christian, that Jesus it has never lost anyone and will never lose anyone who belongs to him. He says that all through the book of John, you are not car keys that Jesus is going to lose. You're in, you are in. Have assurance. Not only are you a gift, but you are a bride. Right? You are a bride. And we learned in John that, that Jesus is preparing a place for you. And there's just so much in this gift we can't even comprehend this morning. We have no idea what it's going to be like to be in, in this intimacy, like in a marriage intimacy with Jesus, in a place he's preparing for us right now, and he's telling us that he's going to raise us again. There's no gift like Jesus. And you are a gift to Jesus. You are, are a gift that he treasures as you treasure him as a gift. And so church this morning, I, I, I say this because this morning, as you cling to Christ, right, as you receive the gift of Christ, cling to it, hold on to it. But in that, yes, praise God, celebrate Christmas, but one of the ways we celebrate gifts is by thanking the Father. Cling to Christ but look at the Father and say, thank you, Father. Can we do that this morning, church? If I count to three, can we just say, thank you, Father? Yeah? All right, guys. Let's let Father God know we have received the most excellent, perfect gift in Christ. So one, two, we're going to say, thank you, Father. One, two, three. Thank you, Father. Amen. Now the last aspect of the economic gift of Christ I want us to consider this morning is the gift deliverer. The gift deliverer. Great gifts do not just materialize. If you ever received a bike when you were younger, you know that bike didn't ride itself to your house? It didn't wrap itself. And bikes are not easy to wrap. <laughs> Especially if you don't want to give it away, but it is. Someone worked for that money. Someone drove, especially back in the day, drove, found a parking spot, stood in line, awkwardly and dangerously transported that bike home to you. It's this whole process in the gift delivery that um, I know certainly in my life that I've taken for granted. 
A lot of work came just to get that gift to you and to us. And so the gift of Christ and the economy of the Trinity, who is the gift deliverer? There's only one member left, right? So the Holy Spirit, the gift deliverer, is the Holy Spirit. And we find this first in Luke 1.35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit delivers the gift to the world through Mary. Right? You have a delivery right there, right? Jesus didn't just materialize like you know, a lot of us think Christmas gifts do in the morning, right? There had to be a delivery. We see the Holy Spirit is the one that brings Jesus to earth. Now, like many great gifts, especially when I was younger, things have gotten so much better. You get a great gift, and most of the time you have to ask yourself the question, does this need, or do I have batteries? Right? I mean, come on. Hey, what's the use of having something awesome if you don't have the batteries for it? The energy source that we need, and we do need one to receive the gift of Jesus, is belief. It is faith. It is a faith delivered to us by the Holy Spirit. We couldn't see the gift. We didn't know it existed. Right? The Holy Spirit's telling us this is the gift. He's convicting us, pulling us, grabbing us, pulling us into being born again and being born of the Spirit. We didn't know there was a gift. It was the Holy Spirit, believe me, doing the work in you, dragging you, holding your eyes open so that you knew there was a gift in front of you. Causing us to reach out in faith. Again, another reason why we shouldn't boast. We were dragged to that gift. Praise God for that. And we find this economic truth in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. you believe that's true? If you believe, you do. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, think about it. Isn't it interesting that most of the world doesn't celebrate Christmas, doesn't know who God is, doesn't know who Jesus is, yet, yet somehow still they can hate him, right? Well, that's a whole other topic. But at the same time, we have a church here who believes in this gift, this child that was born 2,000 years ago. How do we come to such a convicting conclusion that a child born 2,000 years ago is the gift of God that brings us eternal life? Again, you can't boast because none of us would do that. It's the Holy Spirit. It is by faith. It is by faith that we can receive this gift. And where does that faith come from? The Holy Spirit. It is a gift. You see how the gift is more than just baby Jesus in the manger. There's this whole economic transaction to save you. It is the glory of the economic work of the Trinity. All of it is a gift. All of it. Again, going back to Ephesians 2 8. So that'll be our memory verse this week. Paul says, For 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Your faith in Jesus is a gift of God. Jesus is a gift of God. Every part of it is a gift. Church, the gift of Jesus Christ is a gift from the Father received in faith, gifted to us in the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we give thanks to the Holy Spirit, though? I have a crazy idea. Let's listen to him. All right, let's listen to the Holy Spirit. And I confess, it's not my idea. I didn't come up with that. It's me coming, it's me repeating Paul, which, which is a great thing if you're going to repeat somebody. Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit inside you, that gift of faith is still inside of you this morning. Still communicating to you. Still doing the exact same thing he did when he showed up. He is pointing you to Christ. He may be the one that convicted you this morning that Christmas is a great day to go to church. The rest of the world and even some churches decided that wasn't the case this morning. We still have the Holy Spirit in us, pointing us to Christ and pointing us away from sin. And let us never cease to be in awe of this economic miracle, the delivery of Jesus of God to earth, that gift, and the delivery of the Holy Spirit to us of faith, right? That, that source that we can then have this gift through. In closing, church, to close this morning, God knows whether we really appreciate or believe in this gift. He knows it by how much we share Jesus. We don't hide awesome gifts. We don't, right? We force everybody to know we have something coordinating. Even before social media, everyone around us knew if we got a cool gift. Right? Everyone on our block knew that they wouldn't stop talking about it or wearing it or using it. What we are excited about. How important this gift is to us. If Jesus is the greatest gift, and I'm convicted that he is, then, then we need to share it. We need to act like it. And that's what the Holy Spirit, again, inside of us is telling us to do. If you believe that Jesus is a gift, then we must share it without shame. Share it in. And lastly, we must also give thanks and praise or this gift, like we do any other awesome gift we get. We thank that person. Now, I am horrible at receiving gifts. I am so bad. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But I'm not good at receiving gifts. I've received gifts that have changed my life and was not able to respond appropriately. Not able to share that joy or, or how important it was to me. Um, one year, my parents bought me hockey skates and hockey equipment. I know you guys think of me as a hockey player. That's part of my identity. But one, there was a day when it wasn't. And I was upset that I got all that equipment because I wanted to skateboard. Because that was my identity. I'm a skater, man. 
I can't go back to that morning and get an appropriate response. I can never go back and tell them that gift changed my life. But every Sunday, we as Christians get a chance to meet. And we get to express to God, to the gift giver, and the gift, and the gift deliverer, how appreciative we are. How thankful we are. How thankful we, are. we get a chance to do this over and over, especially, quite frankly, as we realize the Christian life that as we learn more about God and more about ourselves, the gift actually gets better. Right? That's why we keep showing up. That's why we weren't just saved and then fell off the end of the earth. Right? We keep showing up because we realize this gift is better than we, we already thought it was perfect, and it is. But every week we learn that it's even better than we could possibly imagine. And so we meet, and we give offering, and sacrifice, and praise. We say, oh my God, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is more than we ever deserved, and we can, that we even need to ask for. And we will never be the same. We will never be the same because of this gift. With that in mind this morning, let us end by singing songs to the greatest gift giver ever. The one who gave us the economic gift of Jesus. Let me pray for us. What a joy, Lord, too to know you. There is no, no other God like you. Father, we thank you that you are an excellent gift giver. That you gave us the gift of Christ, Lord, and the, the hope of eternal life and the knowing that we're going to be in your presence in communion with your unfiltered presence with us, which is the greatest presence we could experience. May we live in the power of that same Holy Spirit which gave us eyes to see the beauty and necessity of Christ. May we live in that spirit and let the rest of Bakersfield know that they need to celebrate Christmas a different way. That it is the day of the great gift, the necessary gift. Please use this church, Lord, to bring honor and glory to Jesus, Lord, in all we do. Thank you for the gift of Christ, Lord. Thank you for every person who is here this morning. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.